Hair Trigger will go online only after 41 years of publishing. A History Cop looks at a 60-year-old murder case and one of the Star Wars directors comes to campus. Show us what Columbia looks like! This is what Columbia looks like! Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause, and I will die for this cause! This is Chronicle Headlines. Here in studio with me is staff reporter Lauren Wiesenby to talk about her most recent article, Literary Magazine Hair Trigger Pulls Away from Print. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get right into it. What was this article about? What is Hair Trigger for those who don't know? Yeah. So Hair Trigger is uh, a literary magazine publication here at Columbia. It's traditionally has published um, fiction and nonfiction um, stories slash works. And this is the issue that's out right now is the 41st issue. They put out one issue a year or have put out an issue a year so far. And so it's been around for 41 years now. Um, And so now after its 41st edition is out in print, it's actually going to go all online. They're not going to publish another um, print issue. Now, this is interesting because newspapers are slowly starting to fade a little bit. So what was the significance of them pulling away from print? Yeah, like I said, they've been around for 41 years. So for 41 years, every year, they've printed this um, magazine as a hard copy. So um, in 2016, actually, they started Hair Trigger 2.0, which was an online version of the print publication. But now they're going um, fully online. So what does this new online magazine look like? Yeah, so essentially it will be the... um, normal literary publication, but instead of publishing um, once a year, they're going to publish quarterly. Uh, So there'll be more opportunities for students to get their work uh, published. I don't think each each edition will be as long as the larger print issue, but um, there will be more issues throughout the year. And then also they're going to put in different kinds of more up-to-date content like book reviews and um, some like articles perhaps to kind of keep it up to date with it being online. Um, So it will be hair trigger as it was uh, in print, but also a little bit more. So what is some of the reaction to this switch? Yeah, mostly the reaction has been um, positive. I think the sentiment overall is that uh, more people are going to be able to get their hands on Hair Trigger, or I should say maybe get their eyes on Hair Trigger, as opposed to when it was just a print publication. Um, But some of the people that I did talk to, they uh, were saying that there's something, you know, nostalgic about having a print issue, something very nice about having something tangible that you can hold on to, flip through the pages of, especially when um, it's your work being published. It's nice to have that hard copy of it. Now, you said some of the people that you talked to, which leads me to the question, who are some of the people that you talked to for the story? Yeah, so I talked to uh, Cora Jacobs, who's the managing editor of Hair Trigger, and she also manages Columbia's utter... Uh, other literary magazines, um, the Punctuate and the Columbia Poetry Review. Um, And I also talked to um, Alexis Pride, who's the faculty advisor for Hair Trigger. 
Um, I talked to Carolyn Boykin. Um, she was uh, great. She was a first-time contributor to Hair Trigger. She's also a MFA candidate um, studying creative writing, and she actually won the um, David Friedman Memorial Award, which is a $500 cash prize for the best story in um, Hair Trigger. So hers was her story, Ugly, was the best um, story voted on by... Um, the staff of Hair Trigger um, for that 41st issue. Yeah, so this entire situation is complex and very interesting also to us being journalism students. And I think that ties into the fact that while the media is evolving and changing, so are old school tactics such as um, print issues in any format, really. So I think that it's seri- it's. It's bittersweet to see a transformation. Would you agree? Yeah, I I would definitely agree with you there that there's something something being lost, but also something being gained. You can check out this story in this week's edition of The Chronicle, located on newsstands and online at ColumbiaChronicle.com. That's all for this story, but do stay tuned for more. story with staff reporter Knox Karanen to tell us about his story, Chicago History Cop Making Headway in Grimes' Sister's Murder Case. Hey Knox, thanks for coming in today. No problem, Yasmin. Yeah, so let's start by you giving us a little bit of a lowdown on what your story was. Uh, So this retired detective, Raymond Johnson, um, has been interested in the Grimes' Sister's Murder Case for since 2011 when he started researching the case for a book he was writing, a Chicago history book, basically. Um, and he discovered, he he made some discoveries, he, he became really interested in the case, and he made some discoveries that have since advanced the case, um, and he believes he knows who actually committed these murders that happened over 60 years ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Did he... Was he able to share that information with you? Uh, he he was. Um, it's not. It's not like the case is solved, mm-hmm. uh, because the police have to solve the case, obviously, and they need m- more proof than Raymond Johnson currently has. But uh, he has made some advancements in the case, and and yes, he believes he knows who did it. Right, and from what you've seen in the story. What was the most eye-catching to you? Um, just the fact that uh, these, so these sisters, uh, Patricia and Barbara Grimes, went missing uh, 60 years ago when they went to go see an Elvis movie, uh, Love Me Tender. Um, they were 15 and 13 at the time, and they, once they left for the movie, they never came back, um, and then... A couple of months later, about actually about a month later, their bodies were discovered on an old uh, road in Burr Ridge, which is now Burr Ridge. It wasn't Burr Ridge then. Um, and uh, origin initially, the police put away um, this dishwasher, part-time dishwasher, who had really nothing to do with the case, and he might have actually had a mental disability. But they were 
ready to put away basically anybody because this case got national attention by then. Uh, even Elvis had come on national radio and pleaded for the girls to go home uh, because it was initially thought that they'd just run away from home. That's what police told people. But uh, so they put they questioned this guy, Benny Bedwell, and he uh, they wrote up a confession. Uh, I'm using air quotes here because they basically falsified a, a, a made up a story that mm-hmm. Benny Bedwell had taken these girls um, and had been partying with them and using drugs with them. But it was a total fallacy. It didn't happen at all. And Benny Bedwell really had nothing to do with the Grimes sisters and had actually never seen them in his life. Um, so they get a conviction because he signs this report uh, of a falsified confession. And it's only found out after the autopsy reports revealed that uh, basically Benny Bedwell couldn't have done this. It's phys- it was physically impossible for Why? him to do it. Uh, so the toxicology reports uh, portion of the autopsy revealed that there were no drugs or alcohol in the systems of either Barbara or Patricia. And the basis of Bedwell's confession, I'm using air quotes again, was that he had taken the girls, abducted them basically, and uh, they had partied together for a month before he killed them. And they had been using drugs and alcohol, but none of that was found in their system. And that was that was the basis of, of Bedwell's so-called confession. So that's why he was cleared and uh, released from jail. So who does Johnson think it is? So Johnson thinks it's confessed child murderer uh, Charles Melquist. He... Um, Confessed to murdering Bonnie Lee Scott, another young girl, in 1958, I believe. And uh, he thinks it's Melquist for a number of reasons. Um, one of them being that Loretta Grimes, who is the, the mother of Patricia and Barbara, received a call in 1957 when uh, her girls were missing, were still missing and their bodies hadn't been found. And this unknown caller said he was the one who undressed undressed the girls. He also said that uh, he knew something about one of the girls. Um, I believe it was Barbara had a cross toe that no one else knew. And uh, after Grimes heard this, she was obviously really distraught and she never forgot the voice of that person who called. And then, uh, 18 months later, in 1959, on the same night that a a newspaper reported the discovery of Bonnie Lee Scott's body, Loretta Grimes got another call from someone with a similar voice, and this time the caller said he got away with another one. Uh, He also said that the police wouldn't be able to pin this on Bedwell or Barry Cook, who were two suspects in the Grimes case. Um... Melquist, who is deceased now, was never charged with killing the Grimes sisters. However, he uh, did confess to killing Bonnie Lee Scott in 1958. Um, And a reason why Melquist wasn't questioned during the Grimes sisters' uh, case when it was ongoing uh, was 
might have been because he had a connection to the lead investigator in the Grimes case, who was Sheldon Teller. And Teller also had connections to the mob, which is an interesting point of this. That is very, it's very eerie. Mm-hmm. And it's murky in a way. Yeah, it's very old school Chicago. Yeah. It's things that you would, you would uh, like corrupt Chicago in the 50s. It's super interesting, though. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I found interesting about this article um, was also the artwork with it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the imagery that was put into this article? Yeah, so there were, uh, I guess you call them archival photos all over the web uh, from the Tribune and the Sun-Times. And Raymond Johnson, the uh, the the person who gave this presentation, who's, who's inve- still investigating this case, bought some archival photos from the Sun Times, and he was able to provide them to us for the for the uh, for the piece, which was really cool too. It is really cool. And what's next? So uh, Raymond Johnson is working on producing a documentary that he hopes will come out pretty soon. He said it might come on to like an A and E network. On this specific case? On this case, yes. Um, And he hopes a documentary uh, about the Grimes sisters will kind of revamp public interest and put some pressure on the police investigators who who have let this case go cold over time, which is totally understandable, uh, to kind of reopen it and maybe put some money toward looking into this again and getting some some harder evidence than what Johnson has. Uh, he also hopes that it might get some funding put together for a reward for anybody who wants to come forward with more information because he knows that p- there are people out there who have information and he thinks that a reward might um, might help them bring their information forward basically. But a lot of these people who know about the case, um, they're pretty old. So he hopes that this can happen soon because people who are involved with the case have been dying kind of rapidly in the past years. Well, you can go on to the Chronicle's website to read this story, or you can pick up a copy of the Chronicle at a newsstand nearest you. Thank you, Knox, for coming in, and that's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. Now over to a galaxy far, far away with staff reporter Isaiah Colbert. Now, Isaiah... What exactly did you cover this last week? Do I have it correct that uh, Ryan Johnson, one of the directors of Star Wars, came to campus? Yes, he did. Um, he came to um, speak for a Q&A session that was for a master class over at the um, Cinema Film Row um, at our uh, Columbia College. And he mostly came to talk about his uh, creative process in directing as well as talk about uh, his newest film, Knives Out. Okay, well, now I am curious. What is his creative process? Um, so pretty much uh, he explained, and um, in his circles he's sort of known as a deconstructionalist. So what he does is that he sort of um, breaks down like the sort of like the heart of the genre of um, any sort of work or film or like for TV shows that he works on, and he tries to get at what the heart of um, that uh, genre is. And how he explained it was that... Um, Pretty much how um, 
he sort of sidesteps the conventions that other directors uh, may have been trained to produce and in him sidestepping that he hmm. is more able to get at the essence of what that genre is. Yeah. So I think most people listening are pretty familiar with his work, but there have been a lot of Star Wars movies. So to get real specific here, which ones did he direct? Oh, he just directed uh, The Last Jedi. Okay, that was so... That would, be that, the, uh, that would be the eighth one in what would be, I guess, called the Skywalker um, saga. Okay. And then, so he was here, but not just to talk about Star Wars. Did he talk about Star Wars? So I hope um, someone asked him about that. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of like a thing for me when I got there, a bit of a thing that I was a little nervous uh, whether people would talk about or not, because in the Star Wars fandom, that one would be one that's a little bit more controversial because of... Um, Johnson's um, directing mm-hmm. style directing for style. it. Did he address that at all? Um, he didn't address that. He specifically just talked about how um, the creative process for that like wasn't something that he felt was like a bit daunting because he had like sort of like in him working with other directors or like picking up other projects that are previously made mm-hmm. like with Breaking Bad where he directed three episodes um, for that series. Uh, with um, Star Wars, he didn't feel like he was like sort of had like a big corporate machine over his back that would be Disney mm-hmm. um, in trying to direct or trying to write the story uh, or direct the story that he was trying to work for. And he said that he sort of found that it was, um, it wasn't that at all. It was pretty much like how he would work with other directors okay. or with other writers. Yeah. So then he traded in lightsabers for n- Knives in his new movie Knives yeah. Out. What is that about? Um, so Knives Out is pretty much um, about like an eccentric family who is under investigation because one of their relatives die. And Singer, I'm um, not Singer, I'm thinking of other directors, um, uh, Johnson um, had always been a fan of whodunits um, and one that... Um, he, I think, mentioned uh, Agatha Christie and her um, versions of whodunits uh, was something that he was always a fan of. Mm-hmm. But he also said that he sort of just like prescribes to the Alfred Hitchcock um, sort of um, critique of whodunits and how um, it's sort of like the only like hook to whodunits is like leading to the mystery of, oh, who actually revealed it? Oh, no, this person did it. Oh, that's so sad. And then that's the end of the movie. Um, what Hitchcock would do with his uh, movies is sort of suspend the mystery early on so that you care more about the characters rather than just the reveal of who actually did the crime. So then Johnson's approach to this new movie wasn't just wait till the end, then you'll see the crime. It was trying to get people to buy into the characters earlier. Is that correct? Mm, Yeah. um, He explained it as uh, having his cake and eating it too by like mixing those different conventions and um, Mm -hmm. trying to form that in his own um, film. He mentioned like also that he was a fan of like previous works like the um, Maltese Falcon or like the Thin Man that would sort of have like sort of like a punch in the stomach about just um, different reveals that would they would happen in those books and how he wanted that to be found in uh, Knives Out as well. So it sounds like Knives Out's gonna have a lot of twists and turns. Is that what he was hinting at? Uh, He was. um, He was saying that um, apparently some um, students in uh, the master class had already seen the film um, beforehand. And he said that he would mention like he wouldn't mention spoilers during the um, during the Q&A. But um, he mentioned that like how he would um, pretty much how he would try to do that is to sort of, again, try to make the focus more about the characters than the obvious plot of one of the members of the cast um, meeting their demise and trying to figure out who, like, literally who done it. Um, so he said that, yeah, um, in trying to talk around the spoilers of the film, he said, yeah, he'd hope that he 
would sort of keep that investment for uh, audience goers. Well, we can also always appreciate someone who does not spoil films, mm. but Knives Out kind of has a bit of a star-studded cast. Correct me yes. if I'm wrong, but Chris Evans is in that? Yes, um, pretty much fresh off of um, his um, tenure as uh, Captain America. Uh, Chris Evans stars in the film. Um, Daniel Craig, also um, current James Bond, is going to be in the film. And... Um, See, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christopher Plummer, um, even um, Lakeith um, Stanfield from uh, Atlanta, and I believe his, he also starred in the movie, um, what was it? Uh, one of Jordan Peele's movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So without getting too deep into the spoilers and ruining the work that uh, Ryan mm. has tried to do, what is the movie about? I know it's a whodunit, so is it mm. a murder whodunit? Like, is it one I of believe... those, like, someone's on a train and want to use a murderer type thing? Um, I haven't seen the advanced screening of it, but from the gist of what um, how the movie was sort of described in the Q&A, it seems like it was more of a murder whodunit and the family is sort of gathered around and it's sort of, like, done, like... I, um, it's like a suspenseful drama, suspenseful, not like a yes. comedy or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, is there anything else that you think we should know about this story? I, I mean, just to backtrack real quick, you mentioned some students had seen the movie already. Yes. Were they asking any questions? Were they at the event? Um, they mostly asked questions just more from the creative standpoint mm-hmm. for um, Johnson and whether, um, because he's a director, whether he would uh, have moments on like the cutting room floor and like try to edit things himself or just advice generally for um, filmmakers on like how to follow like steps that they can take to sort of work their way through the business. And one thing that he did mention to a person in the Q&A was um, that Johnson has worked with his producer, uh, Ron Berkman, um, for one of his films, Brick, that stars uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, mm-hmm. and that um, he pretty much credits Berkman um, as the reason why he's still making f- movies today. And he sort of, like, the advice that he gave um, the uh, Q&A um, audience and the masterclass students was to um, pretty much find a partner who has, like, a, produ- a good producing part of their brain um, who will sort of help um, navigate through the politics of uh, the filmmaking business. Yeah, so is there anything else we should know about your story? Um... I don't believe so, no. (laughs) Well, the film comes out November 27th and has a 99% from Rotten Tomatoes, but for additional reporting on this story, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. Isaiah, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all of these stories and more in our print edition available on Canvas on our website, ColumbiaChronicle.com, and additional coverage on social media. We are at CC Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of our staff of The Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the Communications Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride, Chair. Chronicle Headlines is produced and hosted by Yasmin Shika and Blaze Mesa. So that's what Columbia looks like. This is what Columbia looks like. Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause, and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines. <laughs>